another edition of The Breakdown, and I am your host, Dujanae Bland. And today we're going to do a little something different. You know, we always talk to the drivers, we always talk to the athlete, but we don't get a chance to really talk to the people who work behind the scenes, who make the proverbial engine run, teams run. And we're going to get a chance to do that here today, and I'm excited about it. His name is Caleb Cox, and we'll be talking to him shortly. And as you know, we're going through this thing, the COVID-19, and we just want to try to bring you something different, something to take your mind off of things and uh, give you something cool to listen to. And it keeps me working, so got to stay sharp. So without further ado, I'm excited to present to you guys Caleb Cox, he is the GM and team manager for Cruz Pedragon Racing. Caleb, how's it going, buddy? Doing good, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Give me, uh, give me a little time here. Yeah, man. You know, we always talk to the drivers. We always talk to the athlete. But I thought it would be something fun to be able to talk to people who work behind the scenes and are the individuals who help make the engine run when it comes to teams and race teams or what we're talking about here today. But before we get into all of that, how did you get to be coming in and doing this general manager job for Chris Petrocon? So it's, it's a kind of a funny story. So I was going to college at Indiana state university. I was a football player there. And my love has always been football. Um, since I was five years old, I've played all the way till my senior year of college. And that's what I wanted to pursue my life into is somewhere in football, being a sports agent or working scouting or somewhere in the front office of an NFL team. And couldn't find anything as an internship to graduate from my last semester. So went back home. I was going to get a job locally. And my dad is a huge drag racing fan. Has been since the 70s. He had been out to the U.S. Nationals every year since 1978. So he, he said, why don't, why don't you just throw a, a resume over to the race teams? Because John Force is over here. Don Schumacher Racing is over there. Cruz and Tony, Bob Vandergriff, um, et cetera, et cetera. Most of the major teams are here in town. So I put a resume together, sent it over, and got a call that from Cruz's people that the assistant that went on the road was having a baby and they needed somebody to fill in. So, uh, it, it got my internship done. Didn't really know much about drag racing and did six months from Bristol to Pomona of kind of, you know, shadowing, assisting, trying to figure things out here and there. And, and, uh, Really, really did that, came home, graduated, and then I got a job as a sports agent um, in Indianapolis representing a couple a couple NFL guys and some college basketball coaches. And, you know, a couple weeks into that, I was kind of like, you know what, I, I, I miss – I miss being out at the track. I miss the team atmosphere, the camaraderie, everything that goes into that, being an athlete myself and kind of, you know, sitting behind a desk, 
you know, reviewing numbers and stuff like that kind of really wasn't, really wasn't feeling that. And then kind of out of the blue, Cruz gave me a call, said, Hey, I'm going testing in West Palm beach. Do you want to go? I said, absolutely. So went down to West Palm beach for a week with Cruz. And at the end, he pulled me aside and said, Hey, uh, uh, my team manager's leaving the team. How do you feel about, you know, running the race team? And in my mind, I had just turned 22 years old. I'm thinking, you know, who's going to hand over the the reins to the race team to a 22 year old kid. So this is my, uh, this is my eighth year with Cruz and we're still going strong. Now I also noticed your sports agency background and Mm -hmm. I know you're like, who would hand the reins over to a 22 year old kid? But I think it's pretty impressive. Um, Not only were you a linebacker, um, so you understand the nuances of football, but then you get on that agent sports agency side and it looks like it was for like boxing and you did some things as far as representing people in uh, sports as well outside of the, the ring. Yeah, for sure. Like when I started, when I was probably 16, 17, 18, I always had a thought that I was going to be a sports agent. That's what I was grooming myself to be growing up. I had a plan. So I was like, well, I can't become a quote unquote sports agent until I turn 21 because you have to go through. Now you have to have a master's degree and take a couple law classes and be a certified agent. But the way around that would be managing mixed martial artists, boxers, stuff like that, which at the time in Indiana, there was no sanctioning commission until about 2009 ish. So what I was doing, I had a group of probably five or six fighters that I was managing, um, getting sponsorships for doing fight contracts for, and really building myself around that till I got into college and the kind of football took over from there. And then Still, I was able to put that on my resume because obviously that's experience. That's experience that, you know, it's very knowledgeable to have. And, and, you know, knowing that uh, really kind of helps you get that foot in the door of, hey, I've already, you know, kind of done the hard work of figuring out, you know, the do's and don'ts now and uh, makes it a little more desirable for somebody in the future to hire. Absolutely. And that's what I was getting at. And I'm glad you brought that out because you had the stepping stones to give someone or someone in a race team to give you that opportunity because of your background and understanding how to handle people. And I'm sure when you're talking about contract negotiations and things of that nature, that's tough. So that's definitely something that can groom you to be uh, a team manager. And uh, what are your daily routines? What are you responsible for? when it comes down to being a team manager, a GM? Man, it's kind of tough, especially us being a small single car team. A lot of people think of, you know, they see the they see the race car, they see all the trailers, and they don't realize that, hey, we are 14 employees. 12 of us are at the track at all times. Um, you look at Don Schumacher Racing, who has about 200 employees. You look at Force, who has probably 100, 150. Uh, myself, I'd probably do the job of maybe maybe five or six people out of DSR or JFR. Not only am I the, the PR guy, uh, the social media guy, um, you know, I'm, I'm going out there, I'm getting the sponsorship, I'm negotiating the sponsorships, um, shaking hands, kissing babies, giving tours. And, you know, up until this year, I, I had my hands dirty inside the race car too. So, you know, 
my philosophy was always whatever it takes to win. I want to do, if I have to work on the car, I'll do that. If I have to get on top of a ladder, help set up hospitality, I'll do that. The mindset that I tried to drive from when I first started was whatever it takes to win and be successful, that's what you got to do. And I think I couldn't have landed at a better spot because myself and Cruz have the exact same personality. We are completely and very aggressively competitive at everything that we do. And I've learned a lot from him on you know, if I ever wanted to become a racer in the future, if I wanted to become a business owner in the future, the things that I've learned from him, him about being a small business owner, people, getting the right people, having to have the right people, how your operation should look, whether you're winning or losing, and all the little nuances that really, you know, people don't really get until they dig really deep in. You know, there's no better teacher for myself and for the future that I've got with Cruz. You know, that's huge. And I'm going to say that I noticed that. Um, that's one of the first things that I noticed meeting you guys for the first time, being able to uh, work with you guys here. It's been a pleasure because I feel like those values that I try to set are the same values that you guys exuberate and what will attract anyone that is, you know, in that mindset to you guys um and and i think there's only, there are several people that i enjoy working with um courtney enders being one of them um you know just the same type of attitude and i think that's important than any more important than anything in the business you know we've had this conversation at the track about it's more about relationships than so much about stories because sure. those relationships are what's important and what carry you a long ways uh, more than just generating a story or, or trying to exchange product or whatever the case may be. For sure. And that's how a lot of my sponsorship stuff has, you know, come to fruition. A lot of the guys I just become friends with and Hey man, you know, come out to the track. I want you to check it out. I'll throw you a sticker on the car just for fun. And then, you know, maybe after two or three years, maybe there becomes, you know, some financial backing or some product backing or stuff like that. It's, you know, it's getting people that experience and just being real. Like I'm not out here to, to take your money and, and just go blow it in a racing. I want to show you that, Hey, we're just, we're just guys out here who race cars, you know, we need, might need a little help funding this and that, but you know, come out here and be a part of our team and be a part of our family. Exactly. And talking about what's going on the track, um, 2019, it was a bit of a struggle, uh, only For seven sure. and, and 24 in the round wins. But I know that behind the scenes, you guys were dealing with a lot of things team-wise, correct? Correct. Uh, the biggest issue we had last season was we were scuffing. And it happened at the worst part of the year. If you look, our first probably five races were, were very, very good. And once we hit about May, uh, there was something in the piston department that was causing scuffing. I mean, we couldn't get down the track. We could probably couldn't get past a burnout without scuffing one or two pistons. And, you know, you scuff a piston, you're, you're building up pan pressure. You're taking a horsepower away from the motor and, and, you know, you can't beat somebody running on seven cylinders if they're running on eight, no matter how deep you, you dig it in. So that was frustrating. And I think towards the end about Denver or not Denver, probably about Dallas, you know, the last three races, it, it, the car came back to life. We had the real race car that we thought, you know, 
we should have had the entire season. And it is disappointing to have kind of those, you know, those lackluster years over and over. But yeah, the, the people that don't see the inside, see how hard we're working and trying to figure this out. And it's not just a, well, you know, we're just going to keep going at it because that's what we're going to do. I mean, there's, Cruz spins. It's just like if he was a head coach of a football team, he's in there studying the playbook, his run books from, from 2019 all the way back until 2010, possibly. And just, he's in the film room, looking at the data, formulating new game plans on the phone, working it. So yeah, 19 was a struggle, but it built into the 19 off season, which was probably one of the best off seasons we had. In my time here, and then moving into the 2020 season, I think we've started off kind of strong, not in the, the win-loss department, but the car is there. Amen. Amen to that, because I'm gonna, I was going to get to that. And I'm glad you brought this stuff out, Caleb, because, see, this is the stuff that I want to try to give to the fans, because this is the stuff that I try to dig for. I don't think it's always about what's on the surface and wins and losses and round wins and losses or even qualifying position. But I think that's something that I also have been preaching all uh, of last season, that there was a working process over here. You guys had a game plan, and it was clear that there was steps being taken. And if you look at the tape and you look at things as a whole, it's led to this start here in 2020. And in leading to that, you know, you guys qualified uh, 13th, and then you qualified 11th. But those were solid runs, and I think the things that stood out for me was how true the car was, and that they were flawless runs. I mean, very nice, crisp runs down the track, very little problems, and I know that was something that you guys were struggling with last season, and if we start getting this thing going again, could be talking about countdown? Possibly. I mean, you're looking at... The biggest thing you need to run a nitro car is consistency. If you can put three, four runs back to back to back, that's how you build that data. That's how you get down the track. If you have, if you have four qualifying runs and you only make it down one of the runs, then you are so far behind that you're kind of on race day shooting from the hip. Yeah, we qualified 13th, and I forgot where we qualified in Phoenix, but there's a lot of good cars out there nowadays. I mean, the field's only separated by a couple hundredths, possibly, even a couple thousandths in, in some instances. So you're, you're 13th in one spot. If you run maybe two foul better somewhere else, you might be in the sixth spot. So the head-to-head competition is so so close. And if I remember right in Pomona and Phoenix, we had good air on both days. And then I think on race day, uh, um, Pomona, I think we just uh, got outran or smoked it in the middle of the track. And then Sunday in Phoenix going against Jack. I mean, we, we were qualifying an 80 degree temperature, wake up on race day and it's low sixties, high fifties, which nobody planned for both crews and Jack shook at the same time. Jack pedaled and our car shut off. So it was kind of a pick 'em race, but yep. that's why we this, this kind of 
this break that we're in right now, we're kind of all chomping at the bit. We're trying to, we want to go run the car. I mean, we're all trying to figure out, Hey, is there some place in this world that we can ship the car to and go run just for fun to just to get it out there and knock some rust off of it? Absolutely. And is the team pretty much intact from 2019 to 2020? So we only had one turnover uh, from 2019 to 2020, which is the best turnover that we've we've ever had in my tenure. So we had 90% coming back. We did add Eric Lane in the off season uh, full time, which Eric helped uh, the last two races of 2019. So Eric Lane and Nick Casertano, probably a very good one-two punch when it comes to co-crew chiefs. Um, they both have a lot of great ideas. They're very great fabricators, uh, managers of teams. There's, there's so much good. And that's the part that's the hardest that for people to understand that yes, Cruz is the owner, but Cruz does not quote unquote run the team. He has the people set in place to do it. You don't take the, the head coach of the football team and he, he puts his player, he puts his coaches in the right positions to coach the players. Uh, the assistant or the uh, offensive coordinator teaches the offensive guys. The defensive coordinator teaches the defensive guys. They don't in- intermingle. So that's a lot of, you know, what people don't see is like, they just, you hear the horror stories of, oh, Cruz is hard to work with. Cruz is this. This is why Cruz goes through crew chiefs off and on and through this. Well, hey, man, this is a people game. you got to have the right people who know how to coach the right way and put them in the right positions. That's what this game is all about that people don't understand. Sounds like one of my favorite coaches in Joe Gibbs, who um, <laughs> if you don't know, I, I'm McDonald's Cruz Pedregon old. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, those types of things are important, you know, having that type of structure. And uh, the greats always win and keep consistency by doing that. And if you could shed a little light on how important it is for you guys to have continuity um, along the team as far as working on the car on race day, uh, how important is that continuity and not having a lot of turnover in that area contribute to the consistency of the race car? It's very important. It's probably one of the most important things you can have. I mean, you look at some of the greatest teams that are out there right now. I mean, the Napa guys. The Napa guys are probably one of the best in the four-year run, most consistently winning cars out there built by Ron Tober. You look at their team, they maybe had one turnover in the last four years. So that is a great group of guys. We come back with 90% of our guys. So we're not taking our test session at the beginning of the year and using it as a teaching session. It's more of knocking the rust off, getting back into the rhythm. The biggest thing of bringing in new guys is you have to teach them, whether it be from they're coming in from a new team and you want to teach them the way you want them to put the car together, or you're bringing them from a tech school or off the street per se, and showing them, Hey, this is exactly um, how I want you to put things together. And I want you to repeat it every single time there. So there should be no, um, there, there's no miscommunication and things. So we're big on everybody has a notebook. Everybody keeps notes. Everybody writes things down. We have notes on every single part that goes in and out of this car 
after every single run. So we can look exactly what happens. And if there is a mechanical failure, we can see how many runs, you know, is this part fading away? What's it doing? And we can use the computer data to back it up. But like, like you said, and it works. And I try to almost compare everything to football since that's my first love. It's, you have to have the right veteran guys mixed in with the right rookies, second, third year players to make that great team come together. Well, now you guys know how important that is. And I, I like to liken it to, to football because that's, that's my thing. That's my first love. Um, and uh, it's important. Offensive linemen are important. And that continuity across the offensive line uh, is an, is the absolute catalyst in keeping the offense moving and matriculating the ball down the field. And uh, same thing for the team guys. Um, and, and thanks for explaining that for us because not everybody gets a chance to, to hear that and know that. And now we're going to segue into football because I know that's your first love. And I also know that you're a Colts fan. I am a big Colts fan. We've, uh, my parents have had, or my, started with my grandparents. So in 1984, when the Colts, you know, jumped on the Mayflower and moved from Baltimore to Indianapolis, my, my family had the first season tickets. Uh, 1984, we had five season tickets. Um, and then when I was born in 1991, I had attended every home Colts game, preseason, regular season, playoff from 1991 until probably I, I was in college. So that's a lot of Monday night football games, Thursday night games, playoff game. Well, back when the Colts in the mid nineties, wasn't a lot of playoff games, but I've seen, you know, I lived and breathed it. That's how I became, you know, my love for football. I was able to name special teams gunners to their face when I was four or five years old. And some of the guys couldn't believe it because of one, how young I was. And two, they didn't think anybody on this planet would know who they were. So learning and loving everything about the game of football, I carried that off into my life. That's what I wanted to do. I thought I was going to be, you know, I was going to grow up. I was going to play 15 years in the NFL. I was going to become a hall of famer. I was going to be, you know, this and that. And, you know, once you get to, you were great in peewee football. Then you go to middle school and high school and then college. You kind of see that, that, that level keep gaining and gaining and gaining and realize, you know, once I got to college and finished college and, and did an NFL pro day. And I was like, you know what? It's, uh, it's probably, it's probably the end of the road for me, but all the life lessons, all the hard days of work and this will translate into the rest of my life and football has opened more doors for me than anything else I can think of. And it also has taught me more life lessons to take with me for the rest of my life than any other thing that I can think of on this planet. You know, I really have not only, you know, I had an opportunity to play a little football in camp in high school until mama told me that uh, her son wasn't playing, wasn't playing any kind of football. Um, but I always loved it. And I've always felt that football was a teaching tool and it helped um, to create structure, helps you to work in a team environment um, and really helps you learn how to deal with life's ups and downs because there's wins, there's losses. And you have to learn how to handle those losses. People always talk about the wins, but it's really the losses where you learn a lot. And, um, I, you know, that's pretty awesome to hear your story about it because it reminds me uh, growing up Redskins fan. Um, and being able to 
experience, you know, the nineties and the winning and growing up and, and having that, you know, family that just ate and breathed football was so much fun. Um, and really where my love started too. Now looking at this division that your Colts are in, um, I think it's a two man race. Titans and Colts, especially when you add a guy in Phillip Rivers to your quarterbacking uh, room there. Um, what do you think with the ad- additions that they've made? They added Buckner. Um, they've added Phillip Rivers. Um, I really like the Xavier Rhodes ad. I think that addition on defense is really going to add a uh, hell of a dynamic on the defensive side of the ball. Um, what do you think? I think the Colts are in a good position. I'm going to agree with you on the two-man race. I think the uh, the Texans took themselves out of it, getting rid of um, wide receiver. And I think Bill O'Brien, being the head coach and the GM, is going to run that team into the ground. I think Deshaun wants out. So, so I think you're right. Two-man team, two-man race. Um, I like Philip Rivers. Now, as he's a cold, do I like his production in the last few years? Not really a lot of interceptions, but I do know the team that he had been around the division that he played in. He does have camaraderie with coach Reich. Uh, Chris Ballard's pretty high on him. Um, what excites me and, you know, growing up as a Colts fan is we've never had a defense ever. You, you, you can think of like the one year where Bob Sanders was the defensive league MVP. That was probably the best Colts defense at one point, but now we're averaging 26 years old. You bring in Buckner, Xavier Rhodes, if he can stay healthy and stay his mind fully in it, he could be great. I don't want him to turn into another Vontae Davis um, that's one thing. That's one thing you get with with cornerbacks is once they start getting beat and they feel like, hey, it's starting to become my fault. They w- they don't want it to become their their fault. So you'll see, and I can notice the nuances because I played for many many years, and I can see it on the field when, hey, oh no, I got beat and gave up a big yard. I'm going to fall down and and grab my hamstring. It was my hamstrings fault. I, I didn't get beat, but I'm thinking that the Colts are going to be. It, it's going to be a good battle. I, I still need to see some pieces on offense. I need another big play wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton's getting up in age. I don't know how much time he has left with the injuries that are that are happening, but I need another tall, big play wide receiver. I would have loved to see what Devin Funches could have done last year, minus the injuries. But I think this draft coming up is loaded from top to bottom with wide receivers. There's speed, there is size, there is power, there is jumping ability. We need to get somebody there early, and I still think that we need to take a quarterback early just in case. I agree. Um, I think wide receiver is the thing. I love T.Y., but he needs a compliment. He needs a compliment that can take away double teams um, and can force him to have more one-on-ones where they can utilize his skills. Also, that receiver also has to be able to be a playmaker because we all know you can add speed on the other side all day long and height. If they can't play, they're not going to be respected. Um, and I like Phillip. He turns the ball over too much. And, again, his age can't be relying on a guy to take the reins for a long period of time, especially as young as this Colts team is. And I truly believe that they should get someone in draft as well. I think Jordan Love fits the Colts very well. 
Uh, that's been my pick since the senior bowl. I thought he played, not only did he play well in the senior bowl, I thought he practiced well. Now the problem with doing that is now he's on a lot of teams radars. The Colts are going to have to trade back into the first round. If they want him, and they're going to have to get him. He's probably going to be the fourth or fifth quarterback off, off the board, depending on who you think you're either going to take Jordan love. You're going to take Justin Herbert. Herbert is a big quarterback, a little pro style esque, but he had a rough time this year. And so did Jordan love, but you look at the team around him. I think he only had two returning starters, which is not his fault, but right. I, I would love to see Jordan love in the quarterback room with the Colts this off season. I think let him sit a year or two, groom him like an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes, and then let him take over the reins. Because I don't think as much as I love Jacoby Brissett, he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. He's a great motivator, but he's not an elite quarterback at the NFL level. He's a solid, solid quarterback, a great backup quarterback, but not somebody that's going to take you in a deep, deep run in the playoffs. I agree. I agree with you 100% there. And, uh, Man, we got to have you on more talking shop about football as well, man. You, you got that down. Hey, it's it's draft season, man. This is what I love. I was telling my girlfriend this morning. She goes, what are you going to do when the draft's coming around? They still have. And I said, of course, it's going to be kind of like a virtual draft. But back in the days in high school, me and a couple buddies, we would sit, plant on my parents' couch three straight day. Well, back then it was two days and then it turned into three, but two to three straight days, I would watch pick one to pick 256 or however many 257 to 259, whatever it was, I would watch every single pick. I would know every single player and where they come from because now it's, it's very important to kind of know that you see the small school guys, you see, you know, the big school guys, some guys you might know, and, and especially it's kind of that agent, you know, want to be a scout, maybe in the future type of guy, and knowing the little nuances of players, things that you can see. And now being a drag racer, you know, when we fly back from Phoenix, a lot of those guys are flying from Phoenix to Indianapolis on for the combine. So the last previous season, I was sitting next to Alan Lazard, who's who's from Iowa state now with the Packers had a good season at the end of the year with the Packers and Christian Kirk was on the plane with me and Cruz. So we kind of got to talk to them and got to hang out with them just for, for a couple hours. So, you know, football is deep in my blood and anybody who has ever played the game, I have so much respect for, and I love hearing football stories. And I love watching football and, and, and the stats, statistics, high uh, people. My girlfriend thinks I'm super weird about that, but it's just something that loves and it calms me down and just makes Makes me, you know, dive head first in, in, into those numbers. Well, I'm going to need a couple assistants. Um, so my people are going to have to talk to your people. And we're going to have to do the uh, senior bowl together one year. Oh, for sure. For sure. One more thing before you go. I really want Cruz to get more viewership on his Twitch. I think this whole dirt track eye racing thing even the nascar part of it is pretty fun i know uh, a lot of people may not be super fans of it because they want to see the the real thing but i think it's super fun uh to watch uh tell us a little bit about what's going on with that 
Yeah, so I think this is a great opportunity. I know we all want to go racing. Every every form, we all want sports back. We all want baseball. We want basketball, football, spring football for college, and then racing. So I think what's great with racing right now is there is a platform where we can still go out. We can still quote-unquote race, even though it is in the virtual world. Um, iRacing has put together this great product that is just as real as it gets. If you don't believe me, you can ask any driver that's been in there and, and raced. So, you know, NASCAR is doing stuff on Fox sports one. Now the dirt guys have been doing stuff on Fox sports one and now Indy cars involved. So not only is it great because it gives fans something to continue to watch and, and be kind of passionate about for us, it's a still a great opportunity to promote sponsors. Snap-on has always has stuck by us through this, has allowed us to continue to be on payroll, fully on payroll through this virus. And I know a lot of people that that's not, that's not the case. So we feel very fortunate. So we have to continue as our jobs as sponsored athletes to promote the brands that keep us employed. So I think iRacing holding these, uh, these races has been amazing. Now, a lot of people, you can watch it on Fox sports one. Um, you can probably follow your favorite driver. They might have their own stream. Cruz has his own stream at twitch.tv backslash Cruz Petragon. You can also follow Cruz on facebook.com backslash Cruz Petragon his Twitter's at Cruz Petragon. And then his Instagram is at cruiser P 71. So we're always posting content, you know, interacting with fans, asking questions, replies. He's a huge Raiders fan, which, you know, I'm a Colts fan, but I can dig the Raiders and then being able to go to camp and hang out and meet a lot of those guys and grow some relationships there. I have more Raider gear in my closet than I do Colts gear, which is kind of embarrassing, but uh, but yeah, the, 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 I racing, the virtual racing, everyone, you just sit down, watch it. It might not be the real thing, but it is close to real as you can get in this situation and support the drivers, support the sponsors. That's the biggest part. The people that you see out, you know, supporting these cars, you need to go support these companies because they are allowing, you know, people to live their dreams. Um, by driving cars, working on cars, doing stuff like that, and you know, keeping our racing community well and alive. And with that, we have nothing left to say because he just killed it. And we thank you so much, Caleb, for uh, coming and chatting with us today, um, giving some people who are just stuck at home and kind of tired of watching TV something awesome uh, to listen to. And before we let you go, uh, tell everybody where they can follow you at. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow me on Instagram at Showtime43CC. You can follow me on Twitter at Showtime43CC. Um, you know, I'm always out here to talk uh, sports, racing, football, sports cards. I'm a huge sports card collector, buying and seller. Um, anything, man. I, I just love to interact, love to talk to people questions about racing or, or whatever you got so hit me up I'm, uh, I got a lot of time on my hands when I'm not uh, working with crews on the simulator or trying to do some stuff in the shop while uh, while we're got this downtime and I'm putting my name in the hat for the iRacing win and if they get an NHRA game I want to be on team snap on as the third funny car in iRacing 
We got you. I'll uh, I'll have one designed and sitting and ready for you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll catch up with you, and hopefully we'll be able to see each other real soon in Gainesville. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. I, absolutely. I hope to see you in Gainesville sooner than later. Yes, sir. And that's Caleb Cox, everybody. And I hope you enjoyed it. It's just so awesome to be able to let you guys hear this type of stuff because I enjoy listening to it. Um, Some of the nuances and the things that go on behind the scenes are just amazing. What make up a team. So, um, you know, you got to learn a little bit about Caleb and you got to learn a little bit about some of the things that go on behind the scenes in drag racing. And we got to talk a little football. You know, I love that. Again, you can follow me at NotBland21 on Twitter. I love talking shop, love talking football. Of course, there's not a lot going on, but it is what it is. We're making do with what we have, but soon we'll be back to normal. And we've got the draft coming up, so we'll be talking a lot about that. You'll see me tweeting a lot about that. Again, if you have anything you want to talk about, anything you want to hear talked about on this show, you can hit me up, NotBland21 on Twitter. You can message me. You can also send an email if you don't do the whole Twitter thing. It's straightshootingst at gmail.com. I had to think about it. All right, guys. Continue to take care of yourselves. Continue to be safe. By you staying in, you're not just protecting yourself. You're protecting your fellow man and your family. That's important. Well, guys you enjoy the rest of your week this has been the breakdown <laughs>